Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I want you to think about this. If you're married, you might have one, two, three, four, five children. If you impact them and they see your lifestyle and they become a believer, when you leave this earth, how many that started with two do you now have impacting the world? And if they get married, understand? So don't take this thing like, well, being single is more spiritual. Not at all. Neither one has nothing to do with that. It's where God has called you. While marriage can be an incredible experience, you come to realize that it's hard to keep that laser focus on God that you had when you were single. Your priorities shift, just like the Apostle Paul writes. And Pastor Mark will be teaching today that it's okay for that priority shift to take place. You'll learn that the Corinthians struggled with the same tug of war between being a good spouse and wanting to serve God more intently. You'll find out that God has plenty for both married and single people to do to keep busy serving Him. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 with today's edition of Lessons for Living. don't ever tell a couple, if a woman or a man come in and both happen, and they're physically abused, beaten up, here's what we say. Get out with the children. Get yourself to a place of protection. Let's see if your spouse is willing to counsel. If they beat up, you know what we do? We call the police. We should call the police. God didn't design marriage to be a beat up place. How about if they're abusing their children sexually? Well, that's okay, Pastor Mark. He's a Christian. No, that isn't right. Now, we don't have it here, but when we look at that, what would we call that? Abandonment. It's not right. They're the innocent party. Here's another one. We see this a lot today. I'm willing to stay in the marriage, but you understand, I have to use these drugs, and I'll continue to use them because that's the only way I can get through, and I will use them in front of our children. So see, it's not easy, is it? It's very difficult. But just be careful that you don't find, here's what we know with people. When people are hurting in their lives, like we all do, we're really good at trying to find a way around the Bible. Or should I say, we're very good at making excuses. So be careful. Because a lot of people say, oh, my husband, he looked at that pornography once, I'm divorcing him. They're serious because they're unhappy in the marriage. That is not godly. But the opposite extreme We see this. Many spouses, just because of their background, they put up with physical abuse over and over and over again in the marriage because 
that person says they're a believer. And I want to say to you, if you're a Christian, you would never be a physical abuser. You need to get saved. You need to get delivered. By the way, God will do it. You remember the woman Jesus met at the well? He doesn't really comment about it. I love the way he handled it. She'd been married how many times? Tell me. They were all illegal. Wrong reasons. Not even a believer. And now, what was she doing? She was living with somebody. Friends with benefits forever. What did Jesus say? You're too far gone. Sorry, can't do it. Four times is our limit. (laughs) So what did he say to her? Well, the reason you've done that is because you've never found something that would satisfy. I can satisfy you. I'm the Messiah. Would you like living water in you? Yeah. And I always use this because we don't have any reason to believe differently. He never went to her past. He took her there and moved forward. That's restoration from God. That's grace from God. And that's possible for anybody. Abusers, sexual predators, anybody. God can do it. So when does God allow remarriage? Let me give you four ways that I believe the scripture speaks. Number one, whenever the Bible gives permission for divorce, permission to remarry is implied. That's what we believe. Jesus never said different. He implied it that way. No longer bound. Boom, 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 boom. Number two, of course, if your former spouse is deceased, you're no longer married. You can get married again. And we find that. You'll see that at the end. By the way, what Paul does, I don't know that I'll get to verse 39. What Paul says in verse 39, you can remarry, but you better make sure you're marrying a believer. You can't marry an unbeliever. And by the way, let me just say, those of you that are single, make sure the person is really a believer. Well, they come to church about every three weeks, and they say they are. In my opening, I do all the premarital's first premarital, then the pastors do all the rest of the things. I'll challenge the couples of the to the guy. Can you be the spiritual leader of this home? And if it's like lights in a deer's face, a spiritual what? So I have to take a little time and go, okay, there's going to be a little issue here, right? Because they're clueless. Same with the spouse. Now, number three, married and divorced prior to becoming a Christian. That may be a strange one to you. Well, the woman at the well is absolutely an example. If she would get married again, could she get remarried? Yes, because all of that happened, what, before she came to Christ. Old things are, and all things are brand new. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm going to get married. I'm giving up salvation. I'm getting married five or seven times, and then I'll get married again. That's foolishness. Sin, choose to suffer. Number four, the former spouse initiated the divorce and has remarried. Maybe you're a single. Now, spouse divorced you, left, million reasons. They've now remarried. Well, then we feel, obviously, that you're free then to remarry. You were the innocent party. That person did it. You can remarry. Now, what if you're a Christ follower and you divorce outside these biblical grounds, these two biblical grounds, what do you do? And you've gotten remarried. Maybe you never even heard the teaching before. 
You had no clue about any of this. By the way, you won't hear this. A lot of churches, people don't want to address it. It's messy. It's sticky. But it's the word of God. Here's what you do. You ask forgiveness. God, I'm sorry. I went against your word. Maybe I didn't even know that. I'm still sorry. I know it now. So God, I ask for your forgiveness. And then what you do is you stay into marriage. Well, maybe I need a divorce. No, no, no. You stay into marriage. I know the divorce isn't going to make anything right. So you ask forgiveness and you stay in the marriage. We used to do this in the church. We're not recommending this, but guys, we're into God's grace. So if that happened, then what we say, just stay in the marriage and be the best married couple you can be. Go for it. That's what I call grace. So I want you to write this down. This is the way we face the Bible because I believe this is true. Sin always has consequences. We're not light on sin. God isn't light on sin. But God gives new starts. That's called grace. If God didn't give new starts, would there be anybody here in this room? No. I'd be teaching to nobody. I'd be here. I'm perfect. (laughs) Yeah, right. There'd be nobody in this room, and you wouldn't be out there either. Thank God for his grace. So we have to be careful The church sometimes are our worst enemy, condemning people. But remember, let me just take a moment quickly to go back. Remember what Jesus said? If you even look at a woman or a man with lust, you've already what? And see, this we discover in the homes, been going on for years. Deacons, pastors, everything's fine. No, it isn't fine. They've been living in sin. It's a disaster in their marriage. And that's why we ask you to pray for all the pastors are here. Because over and over and over and over again, since the beginning of time, we find spiritual leaders falling because they can hide it in whatever. So if you're here and you divorced and it wasn't biblical, you can't do anything. It's spilled milk. What are you going to do with it? You can't pick it up. So what do you do? You learn from it. You ask God's forgiveness. And you change. You become a godly person. Now, the rest of the chapter, I'm going to summarize very quickly for you. Because some of it, it seems strange to us. But I think I'll be able to help you with principles. Because of time, we'll just do this. I'll look look at verse... By the way, there was, again, lots of misunderstandings in this culture. So look at verse 17. Nevertheless, each one should retain the place in life that the Lord assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is the rule I lay down in the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing. You could say that if you're not a man, but (laughs) forget it. But uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's command is what counts. So why would Paul even talk about this? Because here's what people were thinking. They're Gentile. I become a believer. Quite a few of these Jews are circumcised. I guess I need to be circumcised. Paul says, no, no. And then maybe you're a Jewish person, and you see that many of the Christians now don't have to be. Well, I'm going to be uncircumcised. And even in those days, they were, I don't know how that worked, but they were uncircumcising. There was a surgery for it. So Paul says, no, wherever you find yourself... It isn't about changing, it's changing of the heart. Just remain how you are. 
That's huge for us because there's a lot of things that happen in our life. You'll see more as we go on. Now notice, each one should remain in the situation, the lifestyle, wherever you are, which he was in, she was in when God called them. Now this one's hard for us, but remember in the Roman culture, slavery, like a third of the people were slaves. That's just the way it was. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although, if you can gain your freedom, you could buy yourself your freedom in those days, do so. For he who was a slave when he was called by the Lord is the Lord's freedman. Similarly, he who was a freedman when he was called is Christ's slaves. You were bought with a price. Do not become the slaves of men. Brothers, each man as responsible to God should remain in the situation God's called him. So what is he saying here? Basically, these believers were thinking, i got to make all these changes. Paul says, no, you just stay right where you're at. If you're a Jew, you stay to be a Jew. If you're a Gentile, you're a Gentile. If you're a slave, you stay there. You serve the master, whatever. You can buy your freedom, go do it. But remember, really, you're free in Christ. But on the other hand, you're a slave to Christ. So it was easy. So what Paul was saying was this. You can demonstrate your faith as a Christian wherever God has you. Now, what does that mean to you and me today? It's huge. I want you to write these two statements down. This is what really Paul's talking about. Live for God where you are right now. It doesn't matter. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm going to live for God when I get through the school of ministry. No, you may never get through the school of ministry. Pastor Dave may fail you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Serve God where? Right now. And secondly, be all in to the place God has called you. Well, Pastor Mark, when I get married, then I can be a witness. No, you're single, be a witness. You're married, be a witness. Stay in the place where God has called you. It's not about a mass change and heading off and doing all kinds of different things. Just be who you are. Again, remember what Paul had just said in the marriage. If the unbeliever wants to stay, let him stay. Because you're going to be light to them. You're going to be light to the children. Way better to keep marriage. Now, I thought about this a lot. Amazingly, we see Paul living out this exact teaching. Of course, it was scriptural. Remember, in Philippians, he was in prison in Rome, and he wrote these prison epistles. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. And Paul was chained. But the gospel was never chained. See, he was right where he should have been all these years. And so he just says to the people, when you become a Christian... Be all for it. Just stay where you're at. God will direct you. If he needs to change some things, God will direct you. You just stay right there. Now, 26 to 40, again, Paul's answering questions. Most of these questions have to do with people that have never been married. We would call them single. Some of your translations, you'll see virgins and so forth. Now, when he begins to talk, I want to give you this premise up front. Because as you begin to look at Paul, you might think that Paul's saying... It's way better for you just to remain single. Don't get married. But Paul's going to give us reasons why he thinks maybe in these conditions it could be better for the person. But I want you to write this statement down because you need to understand this. Paul, by the way, was never against marriage. He wrote some of the most powerful things in Ephesians about marriage. So understand the statement. We know from the Bible that marriage is God's what? It's a norm. Most people in the world are not called to live single from the beginning of the time. They're not called to be single. That gift of singleness or celibacy is very small. We know that historically. 
But the norm for most people is to be married. Now, here's what you're going to read as we go through this, and I want you to understand it. Neither stay married or single. Doesn't matter the state. If you're married or single, is more spiritual. Paul is not saying if you're single, you're more spiritual. Paul is going to say, because of the circumstances, I'll give you the three, that maybe you have more time. And that's kind of a given. You already know what that is. And then last, he's going to just say, being single has some advantages. But I'm married, so can I say this to you? Being married has a lot more advantages. Okay, here we go. Now, look at verse 26. Because of the present crisis, we don't know exactly what that means. But if you're in Iran, if you're in Egypt, if you're in Syria, would the first thing, if you're single, would the very first thing in your mind be get married? Probably not. It'd be what? Survive. So we don't know what was happening. Because of the present crisis, I think that it's good for you to remain as you are. Are you married? Don't seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned. And if the virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, so I want you to spare this. So Paul is really saying, if you could, if you want to, remain single for three reasons. Number one, difficult time. Verses 26 to 28, difficult times. If, If persecution was there... More dangerous if you have to watch for your children and so forth. Then look at verse 29. What I mean, brothers, is that time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as they had none. Now, don't take this wrong. That doesn't mean like abandon your wife. What Paul's saying is he really thought the end of the world was coming. Jesus told us, watch, be alert. So Paul's saying, my focus at the moment is not marriage. And so be careful in your marriages because we're just passing through. So he isn't saying abandon your spouse, don't love your spouse anymore. He's just saying be careful. Those who use the things of the world, verse 31, are not engrossed in them. For the world in its present form is passing away. So second reason Paul says if you're single, maybe you need to remain single because of the persecution. And second, the Lord's return was closer every day. He kind of thought it was that way. Now verse 32. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs and how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. Could I hear an amen from the women right there? I didn't hear many. How a man can please his wife. That was your point, Gales. You blew it. You went right past it. And his interests are divided. An unmarried man, unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world and how she can please her husband. And all the men said, Amen! Okay. I gave you your chance. I'm sorry. Verse 35. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided attention to the Lord. So what is Paul saying the third reason is? First reason, persecution, difficult times. Our mind isn't even on, it's just disaster here. We're concerned for our life. Number two, man, the Lord's coming back. We need to be all with it. And number three, if you're single, you actually can have less distractions than you are if you're married. Now, what do we really read as we read this whole scripture? Let me give you a closing kind of summary. No matter whether you're married, single, divorced, widowed, remarried, or whatever, God wants to work in and through your life right now. Doesn't matter what state you're in. He wants to work in your life right now. Remember, Paul was single, 
We don't know whether it happened when he got a divorce, his wife died. We probably think he was married because, again, a rabbi. But he impacted his world for Christ. When you think about that, remember, I was thinking about Paul a lot. And a lot of people say, well, he's against marriage. He's not against. Who were his, some of his closest friends? Aquila and who? Priscilla. A wonderful married couple that what? Worked alongside him in ministry. He saw both. This married couple made this huge impact on him and the world. If you're single and don't have the gift of celibacy, how do you know whether you have the gift of celibacy? If a good-looking guy goes by and you go, wow, that's a really good-looking guy, and I'm a little lonely, I'd... you don't have the gift of celibacy. Let's just move on. <laughs> if you happen to have it, and maybe for a period, missions and stuff, I mean, all kinds of things God can do. Some of you got married later in life. You kind of had that for a while, and then God changed it. That's okay. Then be salt-like, impact your world now. Pray, date wisely. If you're not, marry a Christ follower. Wait for God to bring that spouse to you. Adam was lonely, and God brought Eve to him. So advance the kingdom right where you're at while you're waiting for God to bring that person to you. Now, if you're married, a Christian married couple were designed by God, and they make a huge difference in their world. As we already learned, the norm, I believe, is for man and women to be married. God has given you the responsibility to raise your children and impact the world. Now, I want you to think about this. If you're married, you might have one, two, three, four, five children. If you impact them and they see your lifestyle and they become a believer, when you leave this earth, how many that started with two do you now have impacting the world? And if they get married... Understand? So don't take this thing like, well, being single is more spiritual. Not at all. Neither one has nothing to do with that. It's where God has called you. So whether you're single, divorced, widowed, or married, would you write this down? God's plan for every person is simply to be a growing disciple. Our goal is to expand the kingdom of God. When we get to heaven, there is no marriage. Now, that's the norm for all of us. God wants to be the head of your marriage. If you're divorced, doesn't matter the circumstances. If you did it knowing it was wrong, then you ask God to forgive you, and you get started brand new. God's grace is available for you. If you're here and you're struggling in your marriage, call the office. We'll get you into counseling. We have lots of people that will do that. Don't ever be afraid. Somebody stop me today as I walk to my car. Would you pray for me? Our marriage is in crisis. It's here on the campus. It's in our society. God's the God of crisis. He will bring to you peace. Today, Pastor Mark taught about biblical principles for behavior within the marriage relationship. He found out that God created the man and woman to be complementary to one another with both of you doing your best to obey Him. If the two of you are doing that, God will make your marriage one of getting to know each other better as you serve one another. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. 
feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Well, this wraps up Pastor Mark's teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Next time, he'll begin teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where the Corinthian church was asking the Apostle Paul about what should be happening during their church meetings. You'll find out the importance of having a historical perspective on Scripture so that it can be properly applied to your life. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. in a hurry.